Hello and welcome to Dare to Create, a podcast brought to you by Ford. I'm Penny Mallory, a former British and World Rally Championship driver and a huge motorsport fan. This original podcast series will be taking a unique look at innovation in motorsport and the people helping to craft the future of racing. We'll be chatting to the teams behind one of the world's leading car brands, as well as interviewing some of the rising stars in the world of racing. This is episode four, the female future of motorsport. In this episode, I'll be meeting one of motor racing's true trailblazers, Divina Galitza MBE, who as well as being a four-time Olympian, was the first British woman to attempt to qualify for a Formula One race. I'll be chatting to one of the stars of the future as well, 19-year-old American driving sensation, Hayley Deegan. Despite her British roots, Davina Galitza is now living in Florida working as a coach. She shared with me her incredible journey into motorsport. Complete, total piece of luck, really, because I've enjoyed many years of motor racing. Um, as you know, I was a skier, and when I stopped skiing, I started a shop in central London selling ski wear with a friend of mine. And um, the telephone rang one day, and a man said, would you like to do a race, a car race? And I said, oh, that sounds like fun. Now, you have to remember, I was used to, I was really brought up as a competitor, and I, I was missing the competition. So when they said race, I jumped at it. And how and old were was, you at that point? I was 32. <laughs> Gosh. Rather crazy. So that's quite late to start in motorsport, later than most. Oh, yeah, but, sorry, bigger pardon, 30. I was 30. Yes, very late. I mean, um, but I didn't, they wanted me not because, they wanted me because they had a lot of celebrity sportsmen taking part in the race. But I happened to be in the right place at the right time. And I came second in the race. And a man called John Webb, who used to run Brands Hat, he was looking for a girl racer to replace Nella um, Lombardi, who'd been racing in the British Formula One series. And I kind of dropped into his lap because he, he didn't know how well I drove. But he, what he wanted and he realized was the publicity I would bring when I did swap sports. So that's how it all started. So just by chance, you get in a car, you're as amazing on the track as you are on a pair of skis by the sound of it. And and then suddenly it sort of runs away with you and you start driving for extraordinary teams, getting some amazing results. And actually, um, I said in my intro, trailblazing, you, you had an impact on Formula One and, and motorsport forever. Just talk us through that. Well, um, I think if there are any young girls listening to this, I, I have a lot of advice for them. Um, first of all, nowadays, in my day, it was different. You could get into a team that was needed money, or uh, if you had a good mentor like John Webb, you could find the way to get the sponsors. But nowadays, it's a very tough organization, and you have to take the steps. Now, I didn't. I, I drove sedans. I drove uh, Formula Ford 1600. I missed out Formula 3, and I literally went straight after two years of racing into a Formula 1 car in the British Championship. Nowadays, you have got to um, do 
FIA Formula 3 followed by FIA Formula 2 and, and get your super license before you can run in, in Formula 1. So it's much, much more difficult. I, I really had an easy path. So so the legacy that you think you left, um, how, how, I mean, how, how would you write that legacy if you had the, the opportunity? What, what, would you, what would you like to, to leave behind you on the, on the track? Well, I think um, I wasn't the only person who raced Formula One cars and tried to qualify them. Actually, Lilla Lombardi, who would have been, would be 80 next year, she ran in, in the early 70s and she did compete and she got uh, points, um, half a point, I think, um, at a Formula One race. So it wasn't really my legacy. Um, there were other drivers, Desiree Wilson. She yes. came after me and um, Maria de Velotta. But there were other racers who, who are around. And there is now an, a young German girl called Sophia Floresch. I think it's pronounced Floresch. She's running FIA Formula 3. For a Formula team to take you, you've got to have three things. You've either got to, like me, bring a lot of publicity with you, or you've got to have a awful lot of money. And when I say an awful lot, in my day, I took uh, Olympus sponsorship to Hesketh. It was quarter of a million pounds. Nowadays, you need several million. I, I don't know the exact amount, but I would imagine it's five million upwards. So, um, so you've got yeah. to be good at finding sponsors. And certainly in my day as well, I, I couldn't have I couldn't have made did what I did without sponsorship. But I I had to use everything I had going for me, which was the fact that I was sort of seen as a freak, which maybe you were in that time, to use it to my advantage to get to the places I needed to go. Would you say that um, you did have more opportunity because you were female? Oh yes, most certainly. Um... Mainly because of the publicity that I gave Olympus cameras. But I have to say the money I brought definitely helped. Because in those days, quarter of a million, you know, there were quite a few teams that would, would have taken that. But mm. they all had their existing drivers. And, of course, if uh, a team manager's looking at a very good man driver or, or boy, I should say, because they take them so young nowadays, um, or a girl, he will invariably choose the man because team managers still don't believe a woman can win a race in Formula One. So what's going on there? What do you believe and why do they believe that? We're a long way from believing women can do what men can do. Um, and particularly in, in Formula One, um, yes, women can win races further down the scale. They can win FIE F3 races. They can win um, sedan races, endurance races, all those races they can win. But no female has ever come higher than um, Lela came. And I believe she finished, she had to have finished in the top 10. But she only got half a point because half the field went there. I believe. I have my own take on this. I don't know what you think, but there are th hundreds of thousands of people who want to drive racing cars and a hand, you know, just a grains of sand on a beach will get through. And because there aren't many girls starting, then the chances of them getting onto the grid are so minute. It's almost zero. And then the, then the chances of them winning 
is is just minuscule. You know, it, it could be an awfully, awfully long time before we see somebody really competitive, a lady in Formula One. Well, I think um, things are changing. I've noticed since I've been in America that there are many, many young girls in, in carts now, go-karts. Uh, their parents believe that the girls, they want to get them up the field. And I don't know whether you've heard of the women's series, the W series. That has been a huge help to a lot of girls worldwide that want to go further. Uh, they get a free ride in a Formula 3 car. Um, and so, you know, that that is a help for them. There's quite a bit of prize money that goes with it. And so from all over the world, 90 or more girls go in to get try to find their way into the top 20 and they pick um they pick 22 actually two reserves and last year i watched some of the races and i was pretty shocked how good they were i thought my golly i'm sure i wasn't that good when i was driving my f1 car i i don't know it's hard to compare because the cars are different nowadays so if you if you've spent your life um doing hair raising, amazing, exciting things that you have. How, how do you stay excited? Because I know since I gave up driving, I, I've done all sorts of crazy things to just try and replace that need for adrenaline that just to keep me occupied and interested. What, what do you do now? Well, I, I, I teach uh, for um, a racing school over here, Bertel Roos Racing School. And uh, I really enjoy doing that. But the interesting part of doing that is that they insist that I drive my drive with the students in the uh, two-day advance class where the instructors drive with the students. And, you know, I'm 76 and it's very... <laughs> It's enormous fun for me to get in a race car. Okay, it's only a little two-litre race car, but it's fun for me and, and it, it still excites me to try to drive extremely well with these youngsters or sometimes not so young people who uh, come through our school. That, that I thoroughly enjoy and I'm pretty hooked on it. Welcome back to Dare to Create, episode four, The Female Future of Motorsport. I caught up with 19-year-old Hayley Deegan to find out about her extraordinarily young start and what's to come. So I pretty much got my start in racing. I was seven years old at the time, and my dad was just making the transition from freestyle motocross to off-road truck racing from uh, motorcycles to cars. And I remember going to one of his races in about it was like 2008, that was the year. And I remember staring at the fence and there's these kids from the ages of eight to 16 years old racing. And I was the firstborn kid. I was the one who was like, if I wanted something, I begged for it. <laughs> and so I did that. And I did that to my parents. I was like, come on, please, please, please. Like, I want to do it. I want to do it. There's other kids doing it. And for my eighth birthday, my parents got me an off-road truck. And that's how it all started. So, Haley, you started you started racing at the age of eight years old. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. And you're now 19. So what's happened in the years in between? Just give us a little overview. So much has happened. It's been crazy. Just like I didn't know where I was going with my career when I was younger. I was an off-road racer, dirt racer. That was my background. That's where I was comfortable. That's all I really knew how to do. I didn't even really look at the stock car world as an option. And so I grew up in the stock in the off-road racing world and 
I won championships, won many races there, was the only girl to win championships and races there. And so I was kind of like the person who had the target on my back once I was around 15 years old of like I was the person. I wasn't just the girl to be. I was the person to be. I was the driver to be. And it was really cool for me because like it was not only that I was a girl in racing. It was I was the driver in my class. And that was like it was just a really cool thing at the time for a lot of people to see and to see it was possible because no other girl had done it up to that point. And around 15 years old, um, I came out to North Carolina because my mom, she signed me up for this online thing. It was a drive for diversity program that NASCAR uh, holds every year, tryouts for it. And it was just like kind of like not a big deal. And uh, my mom just signed me up like thinking like, oh, like, what's this? This kind of looks cool. And so I came out. I ended up getting accepted into the program. And that's how I ended up in North Carolina uh, racing at Charlotte Mars Speedway on the little quarter mile in legend cars and so once I did that I was kind of like okay like I started getting a taste of the stock car world just because it was like it was all new to me we didn't know anything about the stock car world I didn't know about Kane and I didn't know about Arca I didn't know about trucks Xfinity the cup like I didn't know all the different levels so being out here it got me more familiar with that and my parents ended up paying uh for a late model test just like with kind of like a uh, like a home run team, like it wasn't like anything big. And the guy at the late model test ended up saying like, hey, can I call one of the manufacturers and tell them about you? And I was like, yeah, I guess. Like I didn't see anything as a big deal of it. But in my eyes, it wasn't a big deal. But in their eyes, it was like, man, we got a girl who like who has some speed. And I didn't have like the racing technique yet as a stock car world. And I'm still learning that to this day. But I had speed enough to get me noticed. And so once I got put through that development program, uh, I had a tryout with a bunch of other girls. Uh, I ended, ended up making it into that program with that manufacturer for a couple of years. And then uh, once my contract ended with them, that's when I, Ford reached out and wanted to kind of start up their development program uh, with a new team. And now we're here. You know that I was a rally driver for about 12 years and I drove for Ford as well. So we have we have lots in common. And I don't know how you feel about this, but when when I was competing, I wanted to be just a competitor. I wasn't interested at all in the gender stuff. You know, whether you're a boy or a girl, I want to beat you. Is that how you feel? Yes, exactly. And I think that's a good thing off-road racing taught me is that, I compared myself to everyone else. Like, I didn't compare myself differently because I was a girl. I didn't separate myself. Like, all my friends were guys. I was the only girl racing in that series, in that class. And I was just used to being kind of like one of the guys. And everyone else treated me like one of the guys. And I hung out with everyone like one of the guys. And so I never saw myself as different. And I'm really glad I grew up in off-road racing was because it didn't separate me. And that's something my dad held me to such a high standard he was never like the dad's like, oh, like you're in like second or third in practice. Like, that's good. That's good. He would like come up to me after practice and be like, why are you second? Why are you third? What can yeah. you do to be better? What is he doing that you're not doing? And then we'd study footage, figure out what that other person was doing, go out for next practice and be top of the board. That was just something that was instilled in me from a young age. Yeah. And, and do you know, this is music to my ears because um, I, I don't. And again, I don't know how it is in, in the States, but certainly in the UK where I was driving and I was all, all my stuff was off road. I found it a very inclusive environment. Um, I would I didn't really have any obstacles because I was female. I was just included as one of the guys, one of the drivers. And is mm -hmm. that that's how you feel, find it, too? Yeah, that's how it was in off-road racing. And I don't know if it's just a different vibe in the dirt world, and it could be a different vibe in the rallycross world too. But the stock car world, they try to separate you so much for being a girl. 
Yeah. And that's something that I've never done with myself. I've never I've never put myself in that position of trying to separate myself. Gosh, that's something I, the stock car world does to you a lot. So um, you've learned to be more aggressive because of the journey you've taken. And you, you're, in your experience, most girls don't have that level of aggression that you have. And that's what, do you think that's why you've been beating everybody hands down? I think that's why I've been successful up to this point is because I didn't grow up in a family where they took any took any slack or anything. Like I was held to such a high standard and I was taught to be a hard worker. I was taught to, if I wanted something, go get it. It's not impossible. Just because someone hasn't done it before doesn't mean it's not uh, possible. And so that's something that was just instilled into me from a young age and I saw my dad do it. I grew up around it. And when you grow up around something, it just comes natural. To you. So you grew up around, in the, it, around your father and all his racing and his motocross stuff. So you were obviously influenced and, and involved right from the start. But... I think more importantly, maybe what you're saying is that the attitude he instilled in you was almost more valuable than just that racing environment. Yeah, I think just being around it all the time and having my dad be such an impactful person in my life and going to all his events, going to X Games. And X Games was something that every single year they were doing something that has never been done before. They were breaking records every single year, doing new tricks. And that's something I saw him work for all year was for that one event. And even watching videos from back in the day, even though like I didn't understand it and remember everything fully, like watching videos of it, it was a work thing. He put his mind to something and he accomplished it. And whether he got hurt or not, he was always trying it. And it was always like, okay, you didn't do it this year, do it next year, figure out what you did wrong. And so I think all of that was instilled into me from such a young age. And even with my little brother, Hayden, it's instilled in him too, because he is like, he's a famous motocrosser already and he's only 14 years old. He's broken so many records and he's so naturally talented at it because he had my dad influencing him and training him ever since he was at a young age. And he was the youngest kid to ever do a backflip on dirt bike. And keep in mind, like, People were doing backflips on dirt bikes when they were 20, 30 years old. Like my dad did a backflip on a dirt bike, I think in his later 20s is when he first accomplished it. And my little brother was 10 years old and was the youngest person to ever land a backflip on a dirt bike. Whoa. What do you think are the most important qualities um, for a driver? And I, I don't really want to say a female driver because I don't, I don't see that it's such a big deal. You know, you're just mm -hmm. a driver. You're doing exceptional. You're beating everybody. What other qualities are going to be really important for you for the success that you have your your heart set on? I think it's being aggressive. And even like, because I, I get that question asked a lot is, why do you think like no girl has been successful? Or what do you think a girl needs to do to be successful? And those type deals. Like I'm more than happy to answer those questions on my opinion. Like I think it's the unnatural aggression. I think it's if you don't have that aggressive ability in you that a lot of guys have, it makes it a lot more difficult. When I was driving, I would have journalists asking me constantly, what's it like being a woman in a man's world? And I got so sick of that question. And mm -hmm. I, I ended up saying, I've no idea I am driving <laughs> in my world. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah, go ask another girl. <laughs> correct. So I, stop, stop making me look like a freak. I'm, I'm the happiest I've ever been in my uh -huh. most comfortable place. Stop making me sound like a freak. Yeah. I'm, I'm mm -hmm. in my world. Is that, yeah. Does that sound familiar? Yes, completely. And I think that's something that you try to get, like people try to separate you. It's not even that you separate yourself. People on the outside try to separate you. And I don't know if it's because they've never raced before or never been in your shoes, but they always try to separate you. And it's the most frustrating thing. Thank you for listening to Ford's Dare to Create podcast. 
Join us for our next episode where we'll be talking about the exciting future of performance racing with Mark Rushbrook and Brian Novak from Ford. Listen to Dare to Create across all major podcast platforms now.